0: About two years ago, Jessica Stanford decided she wanted to be a life coach. The thought of launching a business, though, was terrifying. So she waited until the stars aligned.
1: I launched it right at the new moon um, during Aquarius season, which is really beneficial for big changes.
0: And I waited specifically for that moment. Because she says after the new moon, the energy is one of new beginnings. For many people, including my friends, astrology provides guidance, something they can consult. That's the case for Mehta and Hassan. A lot of astrologers believe that during Mercury retrograde, you should not sign contracts, you should not go into business partnerships, hmm. and actually hold off on them. Do you believe that? Will you not sign any financial contracts during Mercury retrograde? If I had flexibility, I would not. If you just exist in this world, you know that astrology is having a moment. Before,
1: it was monthly horoscope signs at the back of magazines.
0: Now we have apps that spit out our birth charts, Mm -hmm. our compatibility with other people, our daily affirmations. Astrology is part of a $2.2 billion industry. Between the online columns and subscription services, people are leaning on it to find meaning and to make some money. My friend Sada Ahmed, who's been into astrology since elementary school, is turning her love for it into a side hustle. When does your business officially launch? Um, I am hoping to launch it this week. Ah, that's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> She's providing birth chart readings and is calling the business Chai Astrology. The sort of tagline is let me spill the chai. <laughs> So I'm personally not huge into astrology, but I totally get why some of my friends are. It's kind of like a spiritual practice. Sure, it can help advise you about financial decisions or whatever, but it really comes down to understanding your birth chart, what the sky looked like the exact moment you were born. Because astrology, it assigns meaning to the placement of the planets and moon and sun, which people use to explore themselves. I don't think it's one of those things that's set in stone and tells you who you are. Mm. I think it gives you a place to start. So mm. kind of like a, like a, a Rorschach test, mm-hmm. the way I interpret my chart is saying a lot about me, and it helps me become more self-reflective. But, I don't know, sometimes it can also just be fun. How about Beyoncé? What is she? Beyoncé's a Virgo, and Jay-Z is a Sag. Sometimes I, I, I think... Maybe I have a photographic memory, but it's wasted. Like, it's only on astrology. I'm Marima Grace, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. More and more people are turning to astrology to help better understand themselves. So this week, I talk with one of the top astrologers out there, Chani Nicholas, because who better to help answer questions about money and work and someone very much in touch with the universe. Together, we tackle listener questions and chat about the booming business that is astrology and what it's like to have your wife as a business partner. Chani Nicholas is someone who's built a huge online following writing original horoscopes, making monthly Zodiac playlists for Spotify, and earlier this year, she released her first book, You Were Born for This, a kind of workbook that helps you understand your own birth chart. But if you ask Chani to describe herself, she most definitely will not share all of that with you. When you introduce yourself to people who may not have heard of you, mm-hmm. you're at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. How, how do you introduce yourself?
1: I usually try by getting away by saying I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work, then I'll usually say I have an online business. And if that doesn't work, then I'll say I'm an astrologer. Depending on how much energy I have and how much I want to deal with unknown feedback about my profession. And comments that are unsolicited. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can I ask? What's, like Is there an outlandish comment that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, generally anything about stealing people's money. Okay, great. Yeah, and being a you know, an unethical person. People will actually say that to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some family members even. It's the thing about money. Like, people are like, you take people's money, you tell people what to do and take people's money. And I'm like, no, that's not what I do. I actually teach astrology mostly. I try to make it really clear to most people that I don't ever tell anybody what to do or who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. We just explore different things about the person's chart and about the things that they're going through. Right. And my main thing, and I get this from my teacher, is to say, does that resonate for you? So it's really about you having your own power and you utilizing the information and the tools as you need to. And I'm here to be the bridge to between you and the tool of astrology if you want. And if you don't, Great. I hope you go find what what works
0: for you. Yeah. So you're an entrepreneur for a practice, it's so interesting to me, for a practice that's essentially been around for hundreds of years. Thousands. Thousands of thousands. years. Yeah. I mean, if you think
1: about it, humans depend on what happens in the sky. We need the sun to rise and True. fall. And we need to know what season it's in. We are, we're in. And so humans have always, always, always been connected to what goes on in the heavens. And you might say that that's astrological in nature because... We've also, because of that, made meaning out of what it means if a certain constellation rises every spring equinox. Humans made myth and made meaning out of that constellation because it was part of a Mm life-giving moment. You cannot extricate astrology from human culture. And you can't extricate it from religion either. Any of the world religions have some astronomical event tied to Mm -hmm. them. Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism... Do celebrate things around the new and full moons.
0: Yeah, it's in the religion I grew up in, like Islam. It's all about yeah, exactly. the lunar calendar and yeah, yeah. So I feel like we're in this moment where you know everyone's obsessed with astrology. Yeah, online the <laughs> For memes, better and worse, right? The memes, <laughs> the that memes. counts. It's a lot. Yeah, it's and too the, much. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's too much? It's it's.
1: Uh, sometimes I'm like, this is all going to go really bad. <laughs> oh,
0: why do you say that?
1: Because anything that feels that saturated feels like what's the point even Mm. everyone's in the same thing everyone's in the same soup and now it just means nothing Mm. which is part of why I wrote the book
0: to make it more nuanced.
1: yeah a little and just to say also astrology is not primarily about signs. it's actually about planets in the sky
0: right and in what ways do you feel like this obsession with astrology right now reflects if at all what's going on in our world today does i think speak to the fact that
1: we are in a moment of huge kind of breaking open of culture the ways in which we functioned within this kind of capitalism within this kind of consumerism with this within this kind of patriarchy yeah. all the things is causing incredible anguish not only to people and communities and but also to the actual earth you can't Look at your Twitter feed without knowing that we're in a moment Mm -hmm. of like incredible danger, potential, opportunity, grief. Mm -hmm. And we need things to help us hold that. Mm -hmm. So if you have religious practice, spiritual practice, if you have philosophical practice, if you have a practice with nature, if your practice is astrology, you need I think we need something to help us hold this experience of being flooded with information that's
0: bigger than we are. Hmm. That's real. Yeah. And so now you're in this place in your life. You have a full-time job, a full-time job. <laughs> as an astrologer. <laughs> yeah. I have 17 jobs. But yeah. Yes, they're all full-time. <laughs> you have multiple full-time jobs.
1: Yeah. Um, all under the umbrella
0: of astrology, but yes, many of them. <laughs> yeah. And you work really closely with your wife, right? Like she edits all of your horoscopes. My wife does
1: edit my horoscopes. Sonia Passi is an incredible editor, but she also helps me run the business. So every mm. major business decision that is made is made with her. And every great idea is usually hers. So she actually structured the book. She was the one who was like, this is the way in which people will actually understand what you're trying to tell them. That's (laughs) amazing. I just wrote a version of the book that was like, here's everything I know about astrology. (laughs) And then she was like, like, "Um, no, honey. (laughs) No,
0: that doesn't work. (laughs) I can't imagine uh, what it's like to have a romantic partner and a business partner be the same person. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that actually looks like for you. It looks
1: like... Uh, a really successful partnership, to be honest, when we first got together, there was a moment where it was like late at night, she was editing my horoscopes and I was like taking her edits and redoing them and we had to get them out as soon as possible. And I just remember having this looking over at her and just having this feeling of, wow, she works as hard, maybe harder than I mm-hmm. do. And so it's meeting those people. They obviously don't have to be a romantic partnership, yeah. but meeting those partnerships in whatever facet of your life you need them, where the people are in the same zone as you. Totally. And also able to keep pushing even past that or growing or opening or however you want to say it. And so her 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 skill set is very broad and very impressive. She's kind of disgusting in that way. She's so talented. <laughs> it's really ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but all of her assets and talents fit perfectly with mine mm. do you ever feel like the lines get blurred working with her when you're like okay this is like professional and this is personal or does it feel like just a working relationship that um there there are things like we can we're comfortable fighting it
1: out something mm. but then we're like oh I think that probably we shouldn't do that in front of other people so yeah. we have to learn how to speak to each other in a way that's professional completely professional, like we, mm. we we have to learn how to talk to each other in the same way we would talk to everybody else that we're working with and not let it get too casual between us. I see. So whereas if it's just her and I talking about a business thing and we need to go a little head to head, because sometimes we do. We sure. have to be like, I don't think so. And she'll be right. like, well, I do. And when we have our business voices on, we tend to get a little bit more intense. Mm. Um, and so there's always interesting relationship dynamics to work out. But 99% of the time, it's just she is like a godsend if it's important it needs to be run by her and everybody knows that Mm -hmm. and so I'm the creator I'm the creative you know part of the team but she is the she's the mastermind behind everything
0: I love how highly you talk about your wife it's really beautiful (laughs) it really is she's an incredible person yeah Coming up after the break, we tackle listener questions about spending too much money on things we do not need and why everyone is so obsessed with productivity. Okay, so we collected some of our listener questions Mm. for you to answer. Let's do it. Yeah. So people wrote in asking us questions related to money and work. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to go through them and just try our best to give advice. (laughs) Um, Or I'll just hear you try to give advice. (laughs) All right. So our first question is from Emily. Hi, I'm Emily, and I have a question about productivity and rest. I find myself having difficulty balancing between the two. Do you think it's possible to view rest as productivity? And how can someone change their mindset and find balance between the two? I think it's something a lot of freelancers and small business owners like myself face all the time, which is guilt for relaxing or resting or taking a nap or even just plain not doing anything at all. Thank you.
1: Oof, I feel that yeah. so hard. Sure. Yes, it, rest is incredibly productive. I try to get, we try to get to bed as Early as possible. Really? How early? Like last night, we were in bed at nine o'clock. Love it. And I slept until seven. My my wife woke up at five, but I could have kept sleeping. And I will oftentimes, if I'm starting to feel that exhaustion come, I will work laying down because if you're laying down, your adrenals have a better ability to recharge. Although, probably not if you're laying down and (laughs) working necessarily, (laughs) but but definitely laying down is really important. Yeah. It it is how your adrenals recharge and refill. But I have to say that, like, some days I wake up and I am just exhausted and I can't produce the thing that's on my calendar that I'm yeah. supposed to produce. And so I've got to switch it up and do something else. Mm. Do you ever feel guilt over that? All the time. How do yeah. you
0: overcome that guilt? <laughs> I don't know if I do. Yeah. I don't know.
1: When you are an entrepreneur, you know, making money, it's all in you. Totally. You don't do the work. It doesn't get done. And then also you have to learn when and where to let go. Mm. And trust that the next wave of energy will come. My wife and I both have gotten much, much better at being like, "It's not coming today, and I'm mm. just going to shut it down." Mm-hmm. Instead of war, instead of wasting my energy, like, kind of working, I'm just going to not.
0: Totally. When I read this question, the first thing mm. that came to mind was just how much we tend to glorify productivity. So much, right? Like, we praise people and applaud people who. Are overworked, who make sacrifices. You're constantly faced with that message, and so how do you balance the fact that, like, yeah, you want ambition, you want to be productive, and but also like, you need to live your life. You know, yeah. There's a cost to it. Yeah, everything has a cost,
1: and it's all about what, which bill you want to pay. Hmm. So if you have huge ambitions, but you really want to spend more time with family and friends, then the cost is not getting as much work done. And that can be totally okay for you. If it's not okay for you, then the opposite has to be true in a way. I think it's also really good. And again, this is a totally privileged thing to say, but when you travel or or enter into cultures that are not so focused on the American dream and the American idealism of accomplishment. And you go to places where it's really about connecting with each other, having no devices out, no one's allowed to work. Love that scenario. And where it's like people are really deeply connecting with each other. That can be enough to kind of rewire your brain to be like, wait, this is actually
0: also Mm. life. Mm -hmm.
1: It's, you know, maybe I need to have more balance in these ways.
0: Mm, Yeah, I like that. All right, let's move on to the next question. It comes from Sarah. Okay, so here's my problem. I like buying things too much, like clothes, concert tickets, miscellaneous things at Target. Um, I just get really happy when I go shopping with money that I really shouldn't be spending. I know that some people use shopping as a coping mechanism, but I just find so much happiness when I actually own something. How do I stop finding so much joy in owning stuff? <laughs> What's coming to mind?
1: <laughs> this is so funny. Um, I'm like, what? what do you have in Taurus? Where's your Venus? <laughs> <laughs> well, my first question is, is it joy if you're buying things that you don't have money for? Hmm. Because is that really joy? Mm. so that's I would actually want to have the conversation like that's what is good. joy what's the actual feeling because I know that there's you know there's many studies on um, dopamine right and the release of dopamine that happens right before we know we're going to do a thing mm-hmm. it's the same dopamine that gets released right before an addict takes a drink or does a shot whatever mm. um, it's the it's the expectation of it so one of my questions would be is it joy is it a rush that you get is there guilt attached if you don't have money? Is there panic? Is there fear? There sounds like there's a lack of control and that the, the thing that happens to you when you're spending money is actually maybe something that you that's bigger than you. Wow. And so I also <laughs> want to know where else we can find that in your life because it does sound like it's about luxury and beauty and having things that you love and so I also know that some of us can find that in nature Mm -hmm. and some of us can find that in relationship also and some of that can some of us can find that in meditation like if we if you see something that you really want it what happens if you wait 24 hours to buy it Mm -hmm. can you and if you can't then there's a something compulsive in there right that I just want to like go into and like let's (laughs) peace let's go right there and then unpack that Mm -hmm. it's it's serving an emotional need Mm -hmm. and so what is that emotional need what's there is it loneliness anxiety
0: you sound like a therapist yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it reminds me of what my roommate used to say. Whenever she was like going through bouts of sadness, she'd yeah. be like, Oh, you can always tell how I feel based on how many boxes are outside our door. That's right. Um <laughs> For me it's like ice cream containers. <laughs> right. Um so basically she needs to dig deeper. I would say so. But yeah. who am I? I don't know her. She doesn't know me. She doesn't have to listen to me.
1: <laughs> what do I know?
0: <laughs> um, okay. So let's try to help someone else. <laughs> Um, I'm just over here nodding my head enthusiastically. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to read the next question. One of our listeners wrote in and said, I have a boss who is distrustful and makes my day-to-day feel toxic. I know I'm planning on quitting in six months, though. How can I make the day-to-day of my job better and reframe the next six months so I am not dreading them? So she knows she's going to leave. I'm curious how you, what advice you'd give her because it's really her question is like, I know I'm going to approach a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. How do I do it in the most positive way and still maintain my sanity? Yeah.
1: And I just want to say, like, I don't know if there's a way to totally protect one. I don't want anyone to feel like they're failing if they can't, quote unquote, protect themselves from a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. The thing about toxicity is it's it poison is if you touch it, you have some of it anyone to feel like well if you meditated enough you wouldn't have these problems because I don't think that's true toxicity is toxicity you have to also have a way of cleansing it out of your system once you've left and reminding yourself that you're in a toxic environment can sometimes Mm. be enough of a little bit of a perspective which can feel a little bit like a protection Mm. because you're like this isn't this is toxic, this isn't right, this is abusive. Mm -hmm. And I think to name things like that, not to pigeonhole someone, but that behavior is abusive or that behavior is manipulative. But once you leave, I think it's really important to like, cleanse your system Mm. and so for some people again that'll be a walk outside or a bath or I would have a ritual of like okay I've left I'm taking all that off I'm making a distinguishment for between Mm. that space and my inner space or my home life space or my social life space and I'm marking that moment but if there's a prayer or a affirmation that you can repeat to yourself all day every day that can be something that can be helpful Maybe if you let, I don't know what the situation is, but right. if there's opportunity to leave before that, then also that would also yeah. be good.
0: Yeah, but it is nice that she has a deadline for next expiration date.
1: It's great. So I would prep before I go into work mm-hmm. to have something to remind you who you are and that you're going into a situation where you have to have a certain amount of armor up. And that throughout that, you're giving yourself some love and affirmation and some energy. And then after that, making a distinguishing mark, like I'm leaving that and I'm leaving it behind.
0: Wow, that's really great. (laughs) When I was thinking of answers for this question, I was like, lean in on the positive things. Talk to your coworkers more. (laughs) I don't know. That too. (laughs) That too. All right. We have one more question for you. Uh, Here it is. I'm in a career that doesn't bring me a lot of joy, and I want to transition out of it and into something else, but I don't know exactly what. Uh, I wonder if I should just quit, live off what little savings I have, just to force myself to figure out the next thing, or should I just keep this job, try some hobbies, and see what sticks? Or is there a third option I'm not seeing? Thanks. Does she know what she wants to do? It does not sound like she knows what she wants that to do. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I sympathize
1: with you. It's it's a hard place to be in, especially if you have the comfort. And it's not a question I don't think that anybody can answer for you. Because only you know what it means to you to be financially insecure. To to give up your job is to be financially insecure. Yeah. Some people are cool with that. Some people are not. Are you a person that likes to take those kinds of risks? Are you someone that's okay, you know, living on rice and beans or what have you? And so you really need to know what works best for you. For me, it's good for me to kind of push myself off the edge off yeah. the cliff and, and dive. <laughs> right. So that's where I thrive. So understand where you thrive. What are the conditions that you thrive within? Mm. And then build those out for yourself.
0: But I think like what also stuck out to me here is she's having a hard time figuring out what she's actually passionate about. That's it. Yeah.
1: And you don't have to make the decision all at once if you're not in a toxic environment if the thing pays your bills my thinking goes like then work after hours yeah on the thing that you want to do work weekends or like maybe you need to go on a retreat somewhere for like three weeks and go sit and think about it or maybe you need to do a business development workshop or there's a million different ways to start to get your creative juices flowing yeah and you can't rely on being inspired. You really have to right. rely on practice and showing right. up to the drawing board day after day after day.
0: Right. That's, it's not something that just like lives quietly within us <laughs> no. that's waiting to come out. <laughs> yeah. um, which it's is like definitely how I thought about it. Twenty four seven.
1: That doesn't happen. But you have to know, like, what it is that you're like. I need to pursue this, or
0: I will not be satisfied. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. Yeah, I think. Those are all of our questions Great. and you answer them beautifully. Great. I really enjoyed talking with you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. If you want more of Chani Nicholas, check out her book. You were born for this. All right. That's all for this week's episode. If you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, why haven't you? Um, You can do that at Marketplace.org slash newsletters. This is Uncomfortable is me, Rima Grace, Megan Dietry, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon-Rosen, and Daisy Palacios. Our intern is Daniel Martinez. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Charlton Thorpe is our senior technical director. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deb Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right. Catch y'all next week. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Neither. Ooh. Tea? Tea. Me too. Stay in on a Saturday night or go out? Stay in. (laughs) Same. Um... Do you pour the cereal or the milk first? Cereal. Okay. What kind of monster are you?